What's up, guys? This is your host, Alex, and this is Alex's Firearms Digest, episode or volume six, titled Tier One Larperator. This is an emergency. All right, I'll try not to sing anymore. News updates for the week. Well, what's been going on in California? On December 14, a 30-year-old homeowner in the city of Van Nuys was shot and beaten with a blunt object during a home invasion robbery that involved multiple suspects. According to the LAPD, there were three to five suspects involved. This incident took place around 7.45 in the evening. The owner was taken to a hospital. His condition remains unknown. On December 12, a man opened fire on a crowd of fans that gathered on the start of the late Vicente Fernandez, to honor his memory, of course. The man was quickly arrested by LAPD, and fortunately, no innocent lives were hurt or killed. On December 11th, a man in South LA would have fallen victim to three armed men in their 20s after an altercation broke out due to the would-be victim resisting to comply with the suspects. One of the robbers then dropped his gun. What are you? An idiot sandwich. Taking the opportunity, the would-be victim picked it up and shot the suspect. The other two soft scrotums fled. Their homie, homeboy, road dog, Perro, was pronounced dead at the scene. Good job, sir. This beer that I'm chugging is for you. December 7th, follow home robbery thugs wearing police-style gear attacked and forced a group of victims into their home. Video surveillance shows two males wearing vests and gear with police patches and a crest plaque patrol badge striking their victims and forcing them into their home. According to police, one was armed with a Glock and the other was armed with a rubber mallet. Once they had gained access to the home, three more goons came into the home and stole the victim's belongings. As we can see, the violent trend of actually home, follow home and robberies which then become home invasions and smashing grabs are still a big thing in California. Is there any way of saying that this trend might die down? Possibly not, especially with uh, catacombs as DA. You guys remember the previous episode, I did take a quick shot at the guy and I'll continue taking shots on him and especially Newsom as they now, <clears throat> well, not catacombs, right, but Newsom is now attempting to create some sort of SB8 Texas law style in California, which is now aiming at us uh, Second Amendment or law-abiding gun owners in the state. If you guys need more information, more clarification, please go ahead and check out the other big boy that has a mainstream platform, Arm Scholar. You can find him on YouTube. Just type up Arm Scholar, and he actually breaks it down to a pretty good... Uh, a level of explaining uh, but yeah so today's topic is about LARPing and training in the house right so there's something that I wanted to approach first and it's a discussion on defeatism right so um, it's like a behavior that of not trying anything that most people believe they will inherently inherently fail at. Why should you not accept defeat without attempting the things you want to do? How is this toxic or a toxic trait in our community and how to overcome it when a lot of people who have big spotlights on social media platforms exhibit defeatism and help grow the number of defeatists in the community, right? Well, one thing I can suggest in overcoming defeatist, uh, defeatist mentality it can start by one stopping and believing that you cannot bring anything positive to the table. The truth is that many of us will succeed in achieving our objective or purpose. The ignoring of these negative thoughts 
helps us continue pushing forward towards our objective, meaning that we fill ourselves with positive thoughts and evidence of our good, of our goodwill rather than a negative one. It helps us continue the motivation and determination towards that objective. Uh, we all have to remember that the past cannot be changed, but it can destroy you if you allow it to linger around long enough. And the only reason why I'm even addressing this is because I, I am once, aim, once again aiming to change the gun culture in California. Whenever anything comes our way in terms of stripping our Second Amendment rights, most of you have given up before you've even started to make any moves towards stopping the menacing legislation. I have to acknowledge, though, that there's a good sum of y'all that make noise and donate to our Pro 2A groups, or you might mess up and donate to the NRA. Sorry. I believe that the NRA has become a joke and abandoned the California populace of law-abiding gun owners as a whole. As for the majority of owners, they're all defeatists, and most of them rather masturbate to a fantasy about leaving the state and owning property in unrealistic numbers. But with that being said, uh, if you have any defeatist friends, get them out of that gutter. Let their minds flourish into something more positive, something more that they can use to fight the good fight here in California, especially in the blue state, uh, where we are starting now to see the effects of people getting fed up with these follow-home robbers, these smash-and-grab robbers. You know, Eventually, it's going to come down crumbling on Gascon and every other dumbass DA that wants to be progressive and pathetic. It's starting to change. Whether any of these idiots like it or not, it's going to start to change. And there's people already getting fed up of it. And I'm sorry, I don't wish ill to anyone, but I'm glad that that gentleman in South LA shot one of those idiots dead. He has to live with the big muck and mire of it. He has to deal with it. But hey, I'm pretty sure it was either them or him. Especially if it's three of them. And it just shows, man, a lot of these guys carry guns and they think they're big badasses. And the minute you start busting rounds on them, they start running. They turn into little bitches and they run. Which is the truth, you know? Like I said, never pull out a firearm unless you're going to use it. They pulled it out and they got to use Don themselves, you know? So that's what you get. It's the way the cookie crumbles, right? Great movie, by the way, uh, Bruce Almighty. So let's go ahead and jump into the first topic of the whole discussion, which will be LARPA rating at home. Um, what does this mean? How can this be done at home? Dealing with your parents or partner, the importance of training or hitting the range in your gear. So let's start with the first part of or the last part of it, I should say, which is gear, right? Um, learning to maneuver in full gear uh, is essential. Uh, there was a recent post that talks about learning how to run slick, meaning you don't have your actual uh, plate carrier vest and all that stuff on you. You're actually just running into the range with just a battle belt or a holster, maybe a mag caddy or two, or pistol or mag pouches for your pistol, I should say, um, and practicing that way. That's one of the ways that it was suggested on that post. Do I agree with it? Yeah, of course. Learning how to run slick in the range and, how, and training slick-wise, very important. But you have to train in full kit as well. 
it's not about looking like a badass like a lot of these guys on Instagram and all these other social media channels or social media platforms will show you that they think they're all this and that they got on a plate carrier the full kit helmet MVGs on even though it's like 12 noon you know things like that it's about learning to maneuver in full kit when confined to such tight spaces that you will find naturally in a home so for example <clears throat> When I first put on my first kit, which was a Cyrus or Cyrus, yeah, Eagle Industry Cyrus, really popular by the Marine Corps. Um, it was this big, bulky vest. Didn't last long because I actually got an LPT 6094 shortly after, but it was still the same thing. You know, it was a little bit more compact, a little bit more kind of a minimalist in terms of sizing, but I still had to learn how to adjust everything in it. So at first, my plate naturally ran really low, about almost close to mid-sternum. Uh, I had pouches just everywhere. I was really disorganized. So when I was trying to move maneuver inside my own home, it was difficult. Uh, not only that, I also had to deal with the part that I'm living with my parents aspect. So I'm just working in my room for the meantime until they would leave and then I would maneuver throughout the house. Well, when doing that, I found out that I needed to adjust certain things like my IFAC couldn't go on my side because I was way bigger. My arm kept resting on it. And when I would have to move, either my stock or my sling would get caught up in it. Or it would get caught up in one of the back pouches or it would get caught up on my general purpose pouch on my left flank. Things like that. <clears throat> so for a user, it's very important that you know where your kit falls short, um, knowing the fact that some pouches might need to move, and knowing that you need to adjust your plate. The first time you're going to your first class for your first rifle class, it's not the time to adjust your plate carrier. When you first present yourself to any classroom or to any type of class, you should be ready to go, right? It's not like in grammar school, we don't even do that, right? We don't show up to grammar school and we're sort of putting on our uniforms or putting on our jeans and fastening them with our belts and all this and that. We come dress and prepare, correct? So that's the same approach that you need to take at home. You need to practice setting up your gear, getting it ready. So when you're training at the house, it's already set to go in the event you had to deploy it for a real life situation or for an actual situation. Um, some things you might also find out when you're training at home you might find out that some things make a lot of noise for example you're dangling chem sticks right some people dangle them and they'll dangle them to the wrong type of material instead of using a plastic d-ring they use like a metal carbiner and you're just hearing it clink 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 you know as you're running around or you're moving through the house another thing is your sling maybe your sling is too long you're getting caught up in the hallway or you're coming around and your back pouches are too puffed up you have too much shit in the back you come around the corner you scratch up everybody hears a nylon rub against the wall things like that or maybe your helmet your helmet's too tight you're trying to bend over or it's too loose you bend over that flops off your melon hits the floor you don't want things like that failing you when you have to perform so it's essential for you to practice LARPing in your kit 
at home or at the range, but set already having the purpose that you're going to set it up. It's an expensive, <laughs> it's an expensive trial and error to be setting up in the range actually. So I do recommend it that you do it at home. And before you guys get up in an uproar saying, well, I have children and I have a wife. Okay, I get that. Believe me. I have a wife as well. And at first she was against it. But slowly as we were dating, um, she started coming around the idea that sometimes firearms are useful. So now we're married. We have our own place. Um, it's not much of a hassle for me to LARP around the house. And I'm thankful that it's not. I do understand her wishes that she, when we have children, she wants me to be a little bit more cautious around them, especially once they get older and they're able to cognitively know what they're looking at. So at that point, I, I understand, you know, and there's a lot of mass shootings in this country and kids are doing a lot of things with guns. So I understand that part too, you know, it's, it's on my responsibility as every other gun owner to teach my children the safe handling of firearms let them know the risk that it imposes if improperly improperly used and you know like I said it's just comes with the whole fact that you're a parent um, for you guys at home those are grounds that I'm not going to step into I think there's there has to be a common ground for you and your wife or your partner to talk about and actually go through what you guys think would be appropriate for you yourself for both of you guys to train that's on you guys that's your discussion i'm not going to be overreaching california or democratic government and reach over into your guys lives and tell you how to live them that's your own thing um and i think i think we all agree that as long as we're not doing something unlawful there shouldn't be an issue with it but you have to understand a relationship is a two-person system you know, it's you, the king, or the queen, if I have female listeners, and your partner, who happens to be the other half. And both of you guys are 50-50. You guys need to share the views and respect each other's views. And, you know, one of them is not okay with it. That's fine. You guys need to find that middle common ground on where to train or where you can train. The same way your wife has maybe a girl's day at the winery for brunch girls night out or she goes visit mom and dad and she takes the kids hey dude that's your chance to not sit around and watch football and stuff yourself with nachos getting that beer good back but rather let me throw on my vest let me make these adjustments let me move around and let me do some drills and we'll get into drills and all that in a little bit but right now it's just about you guys having to find that common <clears throat> that common space or that middle ground where you're able to train at home. And trust me, a lot of people will give you setback or they'll give you pushback. But when the situation comes to and you have meth head Jane or meth head Joe down in the ground, like I stated earlier in some of the episodes, that's when the criticism ends. That's when all the shit talking ends. And it's like, okay, my husband did the, my husband or my partner, whatever you're called, um, they did the right thing and they defended me because the cops still took like another 20 minutes to get there, right? That's how it goes sometimes and we can't blame them. So jumping on to if you live with your parents, that's a whole different thing. For me, it was like, it was like shit, man. It was super hard because uh, being my parents, how they are from the old land, 
Um, my mom, she would have flipped out, probably screamed at me. So I had to do it when she wasn't home. If she ever left to visit relatives, then that was my time. And then usually she would leave for like a day or two. And dude, those 48 hours, I was having a blast, you know. And I would train. I would train a lot. Um, of course, you also waste a lot of money on the range. So you have to buy ammo. You have to buy paper targets and cardboard targets to, and staples and staple gun, all that. It goes into your actual, you know, target range or into your target expenses for the range. So, yeah. There's always ways of training. There's no excuse not to train. You just have to, like I said, find the middle ground and all that good stuff. Um, but if your parents are going to are okay with it or they sort of want to give you like a little pushback, well, you know, just remind mom that and dad, mom and dad, remind them that you're an equal contributor. And I'm sorry, your roommates, remind them you're an equal contributor to the household. Um, and apply a bag of ice to the most tender area of where mama slapped you. Okay. But if you and dad are into guns, make it into a father Sunday, you know, get together. Pay for mom to have a spa day when she's out of the house for four, six hours. You guys team up, clear houses, execute um, CQB. Make sure you guys clear your own house, know the in and out. You know, I mean, there's so many ways you can do this, uh, especially if it's another male. By design, most males are into guns. So if you get them into it, you start teaching them stuff like that. That's how you learn, you know, and not only that, you teach them what you learn. And it's like you're sort of seeing yourself in a mirror. Sorry, somebody passed by on a bike and the dog went berserk. Yeah. It's like literally like somebody rings the doorbell and my dog's like, Duggle 6 going dark. And like he drops his MVGs and shit. Anyways. But he's a good boy. So I love him. Uh, in terms of that, just find the common ground. Find a common ground. Find a solution. Work together. Don't hate each other. There's no point in that. Even if it's your parents, man, they're still your parents. Show some respect. You know, the most you can do is try to push the issue as much as you can. If you still keep getting nothing but pushback, well, then I guess you're spending a lot of time on the range, even if, if it means you're just there to set up your gear and fire like 10 rounds because that was so expensive. But at the end of the day, you're still practicing. You get what I'm saying? All right. So I'll be right back. I'm going to go see what's up with him because he's still clawing at the fence. So... I'll be right back with you guys, and we'll get started on drills, okay? All right, guys, and we're back. Uh, the dog was just pretty much a little upset with the neighbor. I guess it's someone new he's never seen in the house before because he's usually really friendly with all my other neighbors. He's gotten used to them since we started moving in. So back as promised, we are now going to continue with our drill portion of the podcast, <clears throat> and especially in your home. Before I begin, I must tell everyone... That is listening, and if you are considering in training in your home, I must let you guys know that to please wear eyewear. Please, if you need to wear a mask, because you guys are going to go force on force when it comes to airsoft inside of the home, please wear that as well. There's been people that have lost teeth. There's been people that lost their vision or gotten a serious eye injury because of it, just because they think they're badasses and they don't need any type of facial or eyewear. Even in the range, I always promote safety first. 
because there's nothing funny about safety. So setting up your target, let's get started with that. How would you set up your targets or how do I personally set up my targets? Well, it starts with the target stand and there's many ways you can make them on your own. This is a really fun DIY project for yourself and I suggest you make them even though the price of wood has been skyrocketing due to China and all these other variants. Um, we still need to learn to make your own target stands. Um, they can be actually very inexpensive so if you use a mixture of uh, PVC piping and your actual wood. Um, I personally have made a few. I use uh, sandbags or if I'm in the house I use uh, weights to hold them down especially to keep them from falling and if some of them I don't have anything to hold them down in the house that's fine they're just going to tip over I can always bring them back up. Uh, so the way I set it up is my target stand to the back side of the target stand I use a laundry bag uh, just to catch and you can use this to catch them your BBs or to catch the remnants of uh, any type of simulation rounds or UTM rounds or force on force rounds those are some of the popular brands that are available to the civilian market even though it's not a man marking projectile it's still a target marking projectile uh, in terms of your BBs uh, I also set up PVC either rubber or I'll add various layers of vinyl or various layers of just like whatever I have a lane around that's actually like a hard surface. Uh, the main reason why is because in the front of the target you're gonna set up a cardboard target which either it's cardboard by itself and then you staple your paper targets onto that cardboard which is what I do right and these tar these paper targets can be replaced. Cardboard I get it at Walmart I just buy the really big boxes they're like a dollar twenty-five same thing for your laundry bag if you go to a dollar and twenty-five tree it's not a dollar tree anymore remember that um, you can purchase the laundry bags there for really inexpensive pricing. Your cardboard paper, um, just buy cardboard boxes or if you guys have a good source on cardboard, just get cardboard from there. Um, you always need like a cardboard stand it actually helps you out, especially if you need to replace the paper target after you shot it up so many times. Um, <clears throat> and that's it. The main reason why I use vinyl is because if my UTM round, once it goes through the target, you'll see that it has kind of like a metal tip on the back side of it so it's like metal and I don't want that going through my paper target and then going on the back side of it remember it's just like real life training you want to think what's behind of your target as well as what's in front of your target you know God forbid you shot the round ricochet and you shot it negligently and it hit someone that would be on you same thing for me it would be my ass if that UTM round went through paper and the cardboard target and hit our TV because then my wife would fucking kill me. Or if I break glass or I break something of value in the house, I'm getting my ass beat. So, yeah. That's one thing to keep into consideration. It would literally be the end of training sessions for the rest of my life as long as I'm married to her, you know. Um, but that's one way of setting up your targets and I do recommend it uh, protect what's inside your house at the same time don't go denting walls don't go I don't know breaking vases or breaking in urine and then your wife is really pissed off at you or you're gonna hate yourself because it happened to be one of your family members in the urine take all the necessary precautions same thing goes when you're training inside of the garage and if you're able to if you're lucky enough if you don't have if your walls are big enough or your borders around your house are big enough to block off the view from all the other homes you're able to train in your backyard same thing do the same thing for that 
Um, you don't want remnants of shrapnel or BBs flying to the neighbor's house and then you got questions flying at you like why are you doing this or they look over and they see you with the rifle, they call in the cops. That just brings in more complications for you. Uh, and then one of the biggest drills that I do at home is I learn to train with my 16 inch rifle. Everybody says, well, you know, most people train with like 11.5 inch or 10.5 inch bow or 14.5 inch barrels and that's what they do with. Well, in California, you actually have to have at least up to a 16 inch. You can have a 14.5 as long as you have a muzzle device that's pinned and welded to that rifle at the end. But at the end of the day, you still have to train with the 16 inch rifle. So for me, I've learned to maneuver around my own home using the 16 inch rifle. Um, and that's something that I suggest a lot of you guys practice with, uh, as well as practicing with your fire, with your pistols, your knives. Practice with your rifle. Practice navigating through your home, how to enter a room and clear at the same time. You know, and it goes without saying that when you're training, you need to know every angle of your home from both sides, either whether you're in the room or outside the room, whether you're exiting the room or you're entering the room, because that will give you a bigger perspective of what your enemy is able to see from their view. You get what I'm saying? Uh, and we'll jump back into training in the nighttime. Um, so everything that, you, like I've said many times, it's a broken record thing for now. Uh, whatever you do in the daytime, you have to actually execute again in the nighttime. Training in the nighttime, one of the biggest things that I can recommend for you guys is learning how to use ambient light. Also learning how to be quiet in the night. The, in the night, sounds tend to amplify because there's not much of an ambient noise around you. So everything sort of dies down and therefore you're louder. Same thing for when you're moving, you have to learn how to pick up objects in the dark. Uh, one of the things that I did last year, uh, we had a Christmas tree set up and my wife can testify to this. Uh, I came around the corner into the living room. I forgot the it was like our second night with the tree. I forgot that it was there. And all I saw was like a big silhouette. And I was like, oh shit, that's a person. Pow! And I fired on the tree like three times. And then when I turned my light on to the subject, I realized it was a tree. And I had to fix a wall the next day. But anyways, coming back onto that. Um, it wasn't like a big, like I made holes into it. I just indented a little bit of the wall so I and chipped off some paint. So I had to repaint it. Those dents are still there. Um, so like I said make sure you have your target set up while you're training in the nighttime. it will help you also if you cut out your cardboard to a silhouette human silhouette and then you cut out the target silhouette and just put it on the cardboard uh, it will help you like quickly learn to identify a human silhouette from just like an object for example for me it was the Christmas tree uh, so if you don't own MVGs, it's crucial for you to train with ambient light. Um, and a lot of people always ask me, like, well, if you have MVGs, you know, you it must be easier for you. That's not true because in the event of a home invasion, and this is goes for me doing all my research, watching videos, countless videos of home invasions through either the Ring apps or home videos, or like home security videos, I should say in general, you sort of have to clock into that countdown. You know, and you have to come into the point where the fact is that the minute they start making noise trying to kick down your door or trying to pry open that 
uh, wired door in front of your door, uh, that's going to start waking you up. So that wakes up your wife, the dogs are barking maybe, and your wife is trying to nudge you awake. You wake up immediately, you're scrambling to get your rounds, get your magazine loaded, which that should never be the case. You should always have at least one gun loaded at all times. Um, so you get everything, you try to get your gear on, that's not going to happen because it's taking sweet time for you to navigate in the dark, throw on your vest, close it up, uh, and then put on your helmet and drop your knots. You get what I'm saying? That's all time consuming. So you have to learn to move quickly in the dark. For me, it's much easier to throw in a chest rig, grab the AR, lock and load, holster the pistol onto the pocket that I have for my chest rig, and then move into move in the cover of darkness to actually evaluate the entry point which would be either my front door if it's my sliding door that I'm fucked you know because they just break through that and the screen door you can just break that off and then break through the glass and you're inside the house at that point the dogs would probably just charge a person and, or a group of individuals and start mauling and then that will give me my point of contact which would be wherever that commotion is going you also have to keep in mind that even if your dogs did attack said group of intruders or a person of intruders you don't know the size of the threat it could be multiple people or these people could already be armed ready to go they're gonna shoot the dogs and they shoot your dogs you have to move in and clear the threat correct I think we're all on board with that so you have to know how to move quick move quietly and use that ambient light to your advantage some things that are core values when it comes to any type of home threat is that the only thing that is true to yourself is that you know your castle. That's it. Because you don't know the size of the threat. You don't know their capabilities. Right? So those are two things that are against you. But you know your castle. And that's the one thing that I think is very crucial for you to train in your own home both day and night is because you know your castle. You know the weak points, you know the strong points. You know how quickly you have to maneuver a certain angle to get an open, to get a clear shot on targets, or I should say on set threats, and execute and def and hopefully safely defend your home. But you don't know if these guys are former military. You guys don't know if these guys are armed with body armor. If they have fully automatic firearms like Dracos, AK-47s, ARs, uh, auto sear Glocks. It's the reality of it. I mean, people say, nah, you're, you're making that up. Da, da, da. If you don't believe me, feel free to check numerous press releases of your local law enforcement agencies throughout the state, and you will see that I'm not lying. Many people have been caught with auto sear Glocks, auto sear ARs, uh, Dracos, and AK 47s. Right now, especially in the hip hop culture, the Draco is a very popular AK 47 pistol or AK pistol variant. So, I also don't use flashlights in my own home. If any of you guys can guess why, is because I'm fighting in confined spaces and I don't want to give my position away. Flashing a light is like flashing a beacon. It's the exact same effect of you smoking a cigarette in a dark field in pure darkness. If you ask a lot of people, a cherry, when fully inhaled, the cherry will glow bright as red. So it's like looking at Rudolph's nose and that'll be easy to pick you up on. You just have to fire at the cherry or around the cherry. 
right or not. I mean, you guys can answer that. You guys should know that. Especially under Moonlight with the cherry lit, it shouldn't be hard to pick you up. Especially under, like, just the bare naked eye. Um, so that's why I don't use flashlights. Also, if these guys come in with night vision, a $2 flashlight or, like, a coast will I just fire it on them and they're blind as hell. Same thing for me. If I'm throwing on knobs and someone shoots a light at me, I'm fucking blind. I have to literally quarter lift them up and start opening fire again or engage you know but by that time who knows you know maybe as I'm lifting up the nods I'm already getting hit and certain things that lie true when using a, a torch or a flashlight is that the center beam usually is a good place to shoot <laughs> you know so if your center lights already like half more of your chest just open fire on them and you'll hit them especially at such close quarters um, but yeah, and then that also brings up a lot of legalities, uh, especially for the state of California. If they're going to grill your ass, they're going to grill your ass for having a flashlight on your firearm, using it during a nighttime event, and you not being merciful enough to spare this poor individual person that came from the inner city, and they had so many disadvantages from you. Yeah, bullshit. Uh, my thing is, uh, dead crows don't sing. And fuck the flock. We can deal with them later in court. That's just my motto. Moving on to the next portion of shooting. Uh, shooting out of your vehicle. <clears throat> now this is something that I've had to master ever since we started seeing civil unrest. <coughs> Sorry guys. And the reason why is because... I saw it as a necessity in the event that the country went to shit. We ended up fighting each other over political parties and forgot that at the end of the day, we're all Americans. We just need to, you know, come to a common ground and work together. Um, I would have to be on the move. And being on the move means that I have to be a useful, multi useful person in terms of protecting my family you know so if I'm driving and we come up on a threat or a threat comes up on us I want to be able to just start firing out of the car why would I want to stop and make ourselves sitting ducks inside of a fucking sardine can you know or inside a barrel at that point it's like shooting fish in a barrel so that's not something that I wanted ever to do so I had to learn how to shoot out of a moving car how to shoot if I'm coming out of my car someone approaches me with a firearm or approaches me in a lethal with the lethal intent or a harmful intent and I have to open fire one thing that I will tell you guys that can be said true from and you guys can see a bunch of videos I'm pretty sure they all describe the exact same thing is that you have to learn how to fire out of your windshield and you have to also know that before you think you're gonna put down the threat you have to fire rapidly just to make a hole so that slant angle of your windshield is not making your bullet divert in any way. It's not affecting the actual accuracy of your firearm. Um, one thing that I've seen a lot and I've been taught a lot is to, when using rifles, which is kind of hard in the state of California because you can't openly transport a rifle or an AR pistol on your dashboard. You know, it has to be actually kept away in the back and tucked. There's a lot of legalities and people say, yes, you can. I'm just playing it safe for all of you guys. I'm not going to tell you guys, yes, do it. And then you guys get arrested and you cite me. I'm not a fucking lawyer. I'm not going to fucking be there to protect you. I'm just going to be that. I said it. It's in the podcast. I'm not a lawyer. Don't do this. Just play it safe. And this idiot decided not to. So now he's fucked. All right. Because at the end of the day, if you're doing things unlawfully, you're an idiot. 
Now, if you guys want to build your guns and do all that other shit on your own, that's your own problem. I'm not going to get into that at all. Um, I think there's a lot of loopholes in the California legislation in terms of firearms, and there's a lot of loopholes you can play with, but you have to start an illegal route, and then those loopholes open up for you um, in terms of your AR pistols. Uh, so... For me, it's been about setting up targets in front of the car and back of the car. More recently, I've set up multiple targets in our two-car garage because I'm also exercising shooting into my car or my backup car and then shooting on top of the car to hit targets that are on the other side of the car. So this really follows that model where we see all these follow home robberies take place. You know, there's usually two vehicles, about eight occupants, maybe more. And I'm learning, I'm teaching myself to literally put down these targets as, as quickly as I can. And um, it's all in the name of defense, you know, of, of defending my family and defending my loved ones. Defending property, yes, because I've worked very hard in this unappreciative employee's job where we're not appreciated. I'm sorry. But to me, my money means 20 times more now because of how hard I work and how fucking low I get paid. And then in comparison to some of these fucking travelers are making fucking 3 G's every two weeks or 6 G's every two weeks. And I'm over here making like, you know, a little bit more than half of that. So that's just bullshit, you know. So yeah, so to me, my property, my money means a lot to me. And if some fucking scumbag wants to take it from me, that's cliche, but I'm going to say you can take it from my cold dead hands after I fucking kill you. So, you know, that's how it goes. Um, but yes, I do train. So one way I do is uh, two in the front, two in the rear. I give myself about, uh, I just pretend like I'm pulling into the driveway. I notice I'm coming up from behind me. I come out, I pull my pistol out start dumping rounds on the rear target quickly transition to the second one as quickly as I can once again I'm not trying to worry about when I'm hitting into the back of that target in the target area or in the drill portion of it because once again I have backing to those targets so there's nothing that's gonna really disturb that fact you know I'm really shooting at those targets I'm trying to put them down as quickly as I can Transition onto the other targets and also transition to them firing, continuing firing, and then reload and fire again. The point is to eliminate all targets. Now, sometimes I do play that some of them are wounded. I keep my gun on them, and I only keep my gun on them if the stand for some reason falls down. Now, I also analyze where the hits are, given the fact that if I got alphas or I got bravos or charlies or I got headshots, I just let them bleed out. You know, the reality is that I, as being a medical professional, I do have to give them help, and I will do so. I can't guarantee the quality of the help I'll give them, but, I mean, I'm going to try to save their life, unfortunately. You know, I'm not a dick. I know what I signed up for when I took on the role of being a medical professional. Uh, for all you guys asking, okay, uh, can you guys do this in the public range? Uh, some ranges will. So there are some ranges where you're able to drive your car up to a certain yardage and then from there you break out uh, and you start opening fire don't try to do it quick and look stupid because the range master might see it as like a liability for the 
company and they'll just tell you straight out to stop if you do it in BLM lands BLM lands that's your own problem like you can do whatever the hell you want and you'll be fine uh, unless one of the BLM rangers comes around and he tells you something then I would stop you know but if not BLM is like probably your best and safest bet to do this uh, some tips and tricks that I can give you for when it comes to drills in the car uh, always remember there's an offset between your barrel and your optic that's the biggest thing because sometimes people will aim at the target without realizing the barrel it's either on the beam of the car on the door of the car or as we have seen in many videos on the wind on the side view mirror you know and you blow out your own car because you didn't purchase a junkyard to shoot out of you just did it out of your own personal private vehicle same thing for <clears throat> when it comes to shooting out of your windshield if you do happen to purchase if you your buddies bought like a few uh, used cars which I think is feasible if you get like a buddy of 10 and you guys are doing drills out of two cars that should be fine um, but one thing is the same thing um, you would fire into your windshield break through with your muzzle brake or your muzzle device and then you have a better shot of opening fire and directly hitting that target because you don't have that windshield to deflect the bullet or affect its flight path um, also learn to store your sling onto the rifle last thing you want to do is uh you're coming out of the car and slings fully deployed and it gets caught up like on the handbrake and then you're fucked you know or you pull it out and while you're pulling it out you open the you fire and it goes through the door and you fucked up your own vehicle um there's a lot of more tips that you guys can learn from i think there's a really good guy on youtube i saw him a few years ago he's the one who got me started into like the whole practice dry firing into my own vehicle or dry firing out of my vehicle and practicing how to deploy my AR all that um, so follow him um, but there's a lot of things you guys can do um, so when firing so the first thing that I should have mentioned is when you guys are firing out of a vehicle you guys are going to be shooting out of the windshield please wear eye protection I would suggest a gator because you don't want all those dust particles and glass to fly back at you and get into your eyes then we're seeing you at work or at the hospital we're going to see you guys for a foreign object in the eye and that requires like you know eye clinic consult optometrist consult ophthalmology consult that requires all that other bullshit consult all because you didn't want to wear glasses you know just wear your safety goggles your NZ uh, what is it 87.9 or Z89.7 uh, standard US standard safety goggles and you guys will be okay um, if you guys have any more questions or you guys need help, feel free to email me at alexfdpodcast at gmail.com or shoot me a DM on Instagram at alexfdpodcast. And I'll be more than happy to help you guys out. I mean, that's what I'm here for. You know, I'm here to help change the culture, help you guys get trained and get suited up in case anything ever hits the house, you know, or ever hits your front door or ever hits you in, in life. You know, you guys need to be ready and we need to start changing the culture in California. It is uh, Christmas week eve. Today is uh, we're a week away from Christmas weekend. Uh, all I got to say, guys, is uh, it's been a fun six episodes to be making with you for you guys. I hope you guys have enjoyed them. Please get back to me with any comment, feedback, concerns, questions, 
uh, you guys want to sponsor the podcast, please feel free to contact me. We can talk and work things out. Uh, if your product is garbage, I'm probably not going to allow myself to be sponsored by it or promote it. Uh, once again, I'm not here to sell off for anyone or by anyone. I'm here to make sure that my listeners get the best uh, products promoted to them or geared their way, carried their way. Uh, and for you guys, if you guys haven't told your wife what you guys want from Christmas, you know, ask her to get you an insurance. Get insured for self-defense and make sure that you guys are insured and ready to go when shit comes knocking at your door. Uh, so all my friends out there, everybody that's been supporting the podcast, thank you so much, guys. I do appreciate it. I appreciate the feedback that you guys have given me in person. That shit is awesome. I'm sorry if I've been cussing a lot. You know who you are. And if your kids are listening to your pod, to this podcast, hey, guys, thank you. I work with your parents and the really cool people at work. I don't know how they are at home, but they're super chill with me at work. Um, I appreciate the support from all of you guys, the little family there. And it's Christmas time. Remember, it's the holidays, guys. Sometimes it can be really rough for people. Please remember to check on your peeps, check on your homies, check on your day oneers, whatever you guys want to call them, lifelong friends or whatever. Check on them. See how they're doing. It can be rough sometimes. It can be financially, mentally, emotionally rough for some people. If they need a little bit of change, help them out. Offer to buy gear. Offer to buy something off them so they can then use that money to go purchase something for their loved ones if they need be. Until next time, this is Alex wishing you guys happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and I'll see you guys on the next one. Later.